there wouldn't be many weeks when we're not dealing with anger in some way. Am I right? Either we're getting angry or we're on the receiving end of somebody else getting angry. Have you ever seen a toddler expressing their anger? Yes. I was at Lake Haven this week and there was a child in a trolley that was expressing their anger. They wanted a particular packet of biscuits and the mother said no and you should have seen the performance that this child was putting on. He was kicking and screaming and crying. It was seriously Academy Award winning <laughs> material. Full credit to his mum, she didn't give in. I don't know whether I would have been that brave. But that kid really did express his anger. And I can remember a couple of occasions, probably lots of occasions if I'm honest, when our kids would express their anger when they, was, when they were little. There's one occasion in particular that stands out when um, I was going to allow the child to remain nameless, but um, he's not here, so I can tell you it was Brendan. <laughs> he wanted a strawberry milkshake. We'd done the shopping and he wanted a strawberry milkshake and somehow he'd got in his head that that's what you did after you did the shopping. And on this particular day, I said, no, we weren't having the strawberry milkshake. And he threw himself on the floor of the shops. And I seriously couldn't get him into the car. I had to get a, a kind passerby to help me get this child strapped into my car. Anger is even a part of sport. I don't know if you watched the game on Wednesday night, but um, they're actually quite restrained, I thought now that they've clamped down in the football on the bifo, as they call it. Um, you can see them, they're all they're wanting to get in, but, you know, they're holding each other back. But, um, yeah, it's a part of sport and it's a part of life, anger, in lots of ways, isn't it? And we mostly think of anger as a negative emotion, don't we? In fact, in our culture, we, we even use the word mad and angry interchangeably. The kids might say to, to each other, keep out, keep out of mum's way, she's mad tonight. Or the teacher got mad at me. Or don't get mad, get even. And so sometimes when we think of, mad, uh, of anger, we sort of equate it with madness because... Um, anger kind of equals loss of control and it can result in, in wounds, m emotional and even physical wounds. So if you've been here in the last few weeks, we'll know, you'll know that we're working through a series in the book of James. And so far we've, we've discovered that the early believers that James was writing to they faced very similar challenges in their lives that we face 2,000-odd years later. Challenges that required wisdom and courage and purity. Well, it seems that they had anger issues as well. 
anger seems to be a cross-cultural, cross-gender, cross-generational challenge. But it seems that James is suggesting that anger doesn't have to equal madness. That there is a way to manage anger in a way that even in anger we can live God-honouring lives. So have a listen to what James has to say. We're in James chapter 1 still. And this is verses 19 to 21. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce all the filth. uh, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So James says, understand this, brothers and sisters, but this isn't just a male thing, this, is, this affects us all. He says you have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God requires of us. And we know that to be true, don't we? So the first thing that we, we need to notice in James's words is that he is not saying, don't get angry. He says, be slow to get angry. So he's implying that it's okay to get angry. And that might surprise you. It might, you might feel a sudden sense of relief when you hear that. Um, but there's other scripture to support this idea. In Psalm 30, uh, verse 5, it, that's just one of the many times in Scripture when God's anger is described. So God gets angry and we know that God is sinless, don't we? So it must be possible to be angry and to not sin. And in fact, Ephesians 4, verse 6 says that. Paul says, be angry but do not sin. So it's possible to be angry and not sin. It's possible to be angry and still honour God. But most of us know that even though it might be possible, the reality is that it's very difficult to be angry and not sin, isn't it? It's very hard to experience what the the dictionary calls strong feelings of displeasure and indignation. That's how the dictionary describes anger. It's very hard to feel those feelings and not express those feelings in ways that are sinful. Most of us have done it. In fact, I'd say probably all of us have done it. And all of us have have been on the receiving end of it. Losing our temper, screaming irrationally at the kids, leaving a friend or a spouse, shaking from the force of our words, snapping at an unsuspecting shop assistant, honking the horn and making rude signs in the traffic, 
ruining the family Christmas celebration, allowing our emotions to cloud our judgment. Controlling anger is hard. We know that to be true, don't we? But James is suggesting that it is possible to control your anger. And he gives us some really practical advice on how to do it. Don't look so worried, Catherine. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) But before before we look at that, (laughs) before we look at that, I want to talk a little bit about this emotion, anger. Because I believe that if we understand it a little bit better, we'll be in a better place to control it. Now, Bill Hybels, most of you would have heard of Bill Hybels from Willow Creek. He has a book called Making Life Work. And in that book, he has a whole chapter on anger. And when I first read this, it was years ago now, I found that the way he describes anger was really helpful to me. Some of you may have heard this before, but some of you won't have. He says that most people deal with anger in one of two ways. And he calls them bottlers and spewers. Start thinking about which one you are. Bottlers, they're the people who say, I'm fine. Everything's fine. They deny that they're angry and they believe that if they just bury their feelings down deep enough and just smile and get on with it and and be happy, put on a happy face, then that anger that's inside them will just go away. These are the people that pout. And when you ask them what's wrong, they'll always go, nothing. But you know, just by the look on their face, that that's not true, (laughs) that there clearly is something wrong. Interestingly, most bottlers think that they have it all together, that they never lose the plot, they never fly off the handle like those dreadful spewers. But the problem is that bottled anger always leaks. It's like when you bury toxic waste. Eventually, it leaks and people start to get sick. Bottled anger leaks. And when it does, it poisons our bodies and our minds and our relationships. It it poisons our bodies in the form of headaches, stomach ulcers, insomnia, and a host of other physical problems. It poisons our minds in the form of loss of self-esteem, depression, confusion, irrational thinking. And all of these things result in irritability, bad moods, and that affects our relationships. So the truth is that this way of dealing with anger is actually just as negative and destructive as the other extreme. They're the people that Hybels calls the spewers. Now, before we talk about the spewers, I'm a bottler. Who else is a bottler here? Yeah, we've got a few. Few bottlers. Probably about half and half. Okay. The spewer is the opposite of the bottler. Okay. 
they have no problem at all expressing their anger. There's no way that they're ever going to bottle up their anger. They let fly. They slam the door. They kick the dog. They yell. They scream. They lash out with their words or with their fists. And often they leave a trail of bruised people behind them. And the Bible is, is full of warnings about the destruction that spewers can cause. Proverbs 22 says, Don't make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not See, the Bible says it's only men that do this. It's not women. <laughs> do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. <laughs> do not associate with one who is easily angered. Proverbs 29 verse 11, Only a fool gives full vent to his anger. The interesting thing is that although bottlers and spewers seem to be opposites, they have one thing in common. And that is that they're not dealing with their anger in a way that honours God. Either of them. They're allowing their anger to cause destruction and pain and harm, both to themselves and to other people. So is there a better way? James seems to indicate that there is. Let me read you again verse 19. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Three pretty simple things. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Let's pull them apart a little bit. Be quick to listen. You've heard it before. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to listen more to each other and to God. When you're faced with rising anger, stop and listen. Listen to the person that you're in conflict with and really listen and ask yourself, what's happening for this person, this other person? What are they really saying here? Is this more about something that they're going through or the fact that they're under a lot of pressure or they're overtired or they're hormonal. <laughs> I learned this really powerfully when our, friend, when our, our family was going through um, the shock death of Murray's dad a couple of years ago. So often someone, one of the kids or one of us would snap and say something in anger. And if I stopped long enough, I'd realise that's, that's not about that issue. This is not about the issue. This is about grief. And so often that's the case. And so we need to listen. Listen to each other and listen to God as well. Ask yourself, what would God have me say in this situation? How would God want me to respond? What does the scripture say about this? So that's the first thing. Listen. Stop. Listen. Listen to the people around you. Listen to God. Second thing that James says is that we should be slow to speak. That goes with the listening, doesn't it? 
You actually need to be slow to speak if you're going to listen. Proverbs 17:28 says, I love this verse, even a fool seems wise if he keeps his mouth shut. This is so different to the wisdom of the world, which says, express yourself, let it all out. James says, no, be slow to speak. Stop and think about what you're going to say. How many times do we look back and think, I I wish I had just kept my mouth shut. We regret it afterwards. It's such wise advice. James is saying, notice he's not saying don't speak. He's not saying be a bottler and bottle it all up. But so much harm is done by hasty words spoken in anger. And it's so much better to stop and to let things cool down a little bit and just be slow to speak. And the third thing, Be slow to anger. That's a little bit harder, isn't it? The other two are a bit more simple. We can understand what it means to listen and to think before we speak. But being slow to anger is a little bit harder because if you're anything like me, anger kind of sneaks up on you. You're minding your own business and then something happens and before you know it, you've snapped. Well, Bill Hybels, in his chapter on anger, he gives some really practical advice, which I think is great with this. The first thing he suggests is that we need to increase our self-awareness. We need to recognise when our emotional temperature is rising. So think about what it is for you. For me, it's the eternal dialogue. Because I'm naturally a bottler, I'll start having this conversation in my head. And before you know it, it's what would you know? You obviously have no idea. You're stupid. You're ignorant. You don't understand me. On and on it goes, all the stuff in my head. Maybe for you, your your jaw clenches. Or you suddenly get a splitting headache. Or you start to speak faster. Or you clench your fists. What we have to do is work out what are the signs for us that tell us that we're getting angry. And for some, it'll be more subtle than others. For some people, it's things start getting broken or the noise level goes up. But work out what it is for you that is a sign that you're getting angry and then use that as a warning so I go, okay, there's a whole lot of stuff going around in my head or, or my, fen- my fists are clenched. I suddenly realise both my hands are like this beside my side. I'm getting angry here. And then once you get used to acknowledging that you're getting angry, the next step is to remind yourself that you actually have a choice about what you do with your anger. You don't have to deny it and bottle it up. And you don't have to let it spew out. There's other options. The third step is to ask why. Now, we've already talked about um, listening and asking why is this other person responding like this. 
But we also need to ask ourselves, why am I responding like this? Why am I getting angry in this situation? And if you ask yourself that question, I guarantee the first answer you'll come up with will involve blaming somebody else. Because he said this or because she said she'd do it and she didn't do it or the kids are annoying me or the computer isn't working or I'm sitting in the traffic and I'm running late. But actually, the outside circumstances, they don't determine how we respond. They don't have to. We're responsible for that. So if you can, put aside the blame and ask yourself, what's going on for me that's causing me to react this way? And if you actually do this enough, you might find that there's a pattern that this certain thing always sets you off. Maybe your dad never listened to you and you never felt respect from your father and you find yourself getting angry when somebody treats you in that way, doesn't show you respect or doesn't listen to you and then you get angry and you handle your anger in a way that, that doesn't honour God. You storm out, you slam the door, whatever. But stopping and asking, why does this make me angry, may just reveal to you that it's, like I said, with the grief. It's not about, it's not about this situation. It's about this deep thing that's going on for me that always makes me angry. And then you can deal with that issue. And hopefully... Every time somebody doesn't listen to you, you won't bring up all of those deep emotions that are the result of years of hurt in the past. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yep, yep. And then you're more likely to consider some options that might help you to handle your anger in a godly way. Maybe you need to journal about some of the stuff that happened in your past. Maybe... If it's a situation with your father or somebody, maybe you might have an opportunity to talk to that person. Maybe you need to talk to somebody else about it. Hey, I've just got this sense that this is causing me to get angry all the time. What do you think about that? And you're working through it. All the choices that we have, they may not be that easy. That might seem, to respond to anger in that kind of way might seem to you to be just almost impossible. But if you look at the damage that anger causes, it's actually, it's actually easier, <laughs> isn't it, in the long run, than dealing with the horrendous results of, of uncontrolled anger in our lives. So stop and ask yourself, why is this making me so angry? And that will help you in the process of being slow to become angry. Learn to recognise the signs in you that you're starting to get angry. And ask why. Why is this happening for me? Rather than blame others, recognise that the outside circumstances don't have to control how you respond. That you have a choice about how you're going to 
behave and respond. Because you do. You have a choice. You can deny your anger. You can stuff it down. You can put a smile on your face and go, nothing, nothing, everything's fine. But you can only do that for so long. Sooner or later, the venom will start to leak out. You can spew it out. You can do whatever feels good at the time. You can yell, scream, inflict grievous bodily harm on people. But someone's going to get hurt and you'll almost certainly regret it later. Or you can choose the advice of James and be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. But you know, as wise and as practical as that teaching from James is, the reality is that we can try and try, but often we keep failing because without the Holy Spirit, it's really hard to not sin in our anger and we need his help. And so we need to pray in the midst of all of that, Lord, help me. Help me to be, to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. And the good news is we can break out of the old sinful patterns. Each time we find ourselves getting angry, we have the opportunity to grow spiritually and develop our character and honour God. It's not easy. But with the Holy Spirit's help, we can be angry and not sin. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this is something that we all struggle with. And we all know what it's like to lose it in anger. And we all know the damage that uncontrolled anger can do. And so we need your help. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us. Help us to be people who are quick to listen, who are slow to speak, and who are slow to get angry. Help us to be people who in our anger do not sin. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.